0: This is the ICO Alert Podcast, episode 32. I'm your host, Robert Finch, founder of ICO Alert. ICO Alert maintains the only comprehensive list of every single initial coin offering. That includes all of the active ICOs that are happening now, as well as all of the upcoming ICOs. You can check out the full list on our website at icoalert.com. We are back with another roundtable. We have two new people on the podcast today that you haven't heard from. Uh, We'll get their introductions in just a moment. Uh, The roundtable, if you're not familiar, is basically just a casual crypto discussion about current events, coins that we're passionate about, um, and other general happenings in the crypto space by members of the ICO Alert team. Before we get started, it's important that I do disclose uh, that this is not financial, legal, professional, or tax, or any other kind of advice. We're simply talking about our own opinions, and our opinions do not reflect the views of ICO Alert company. Uh, it is also important to disclose that members of the podcast who are speaking own the following currencies or tokens. Bitcoin, Ethereum, EOS, Monero, Ontology, NEO, BNB or Binance Coin, and Bitcoin Cash. Without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to another episode of the ICO Alert Roundtable. We have two new people that you haven't heard before on the show. Uh, we'll go ahead and start with introductions. Uh, I'm Rob Finch. I'm the CEO of ICO Alert. I'm Peter K.
1: am the Director of Globalization here. I am Kyle Protho. I'm a data analyst.
2: Joe Argiero, data analyst. Zach Kezada, VP of Business Development.
1: So we're all
0: here. A lot has happened since we did the last roundtable. I think it was probably two, two and a half weeks ago. Um, one of the topics we wanted to cover first uh, was exchange relocation. So it looks like Binance, you know, if you guys have seen in the news over the last couple of weeks, relocating their exchange from Japan to Malta, I believe is what it is. So kind of interesting to see them doing that.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm interested to hear you guys' uh, opinion on this. Uh, I know they were... Relocating from Hong Kong is that? Oh, I thought it was Japan. Mm, I'm, I could be wrong Yeah, could well, we look that up, but I, I would, think I, Binance has
1: offices in, in both, but ah. they're technically based in Hong Kong Okay, and they maybe they looked at Japan, but yeah now they're very strongly looking at Malta Is that just regulation
3: as far as like what's going on in China and in Japan right now? Is that why they're moving to Malta?
1: Yeah, I believe so and they're kind of being forced out, maybe, by fear of regulation in those Chinese markets. And uh, one unexpected advantage that I've been reading about is that Malta may let them introduce fiat pairs and fiat currency into their exchange. Really? For all fiat or just the yeah, Malta? bringing in fiat. I don't know, right? They <laughs> <Everybody laughs> might have to get Maltese Malta uh, d- dollars. They're going to pump their own
0: fiat. That's
1: good. <laughs> and Of course, Malta thinks that they can really boost their economy by bringing in Binance. Probably. Absolutely,
2: it's an interesting macroeconomic issue that you know companies in this in this new emerging space are you know relocating based on you know what governments are have are ahead of this curve in regulation or somewhere behind. So it's interesting how you know services are moving around the con- the, the the globe to you know uh, a better better regu- regulatory uh, benefits. Um, mm-hmm. An in- interesting point on that is. Um, how a lot of people in the U.S. are moving to Puerto Rico because of the tax benefits, and um, they're trying to create a you know crypto utopia in Old San Juan, which is oh, yeah. interesting.
0: Yeah, Joe and I were talking about that today, saying we'll totally buy a piece of property there. It's like the if you guys are listening, if you've heard of the Citadel concept, which is kind of this like futuristic view of the future, like the average, like Bitcoin is this new global reserve currency or crypto in general is, and like the average balance of Bitcoin on earth is like point oh 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 nine Bitcoin. And like all the the super um, early adopters of crypto live in citadels, like these guarded cities with armed guards like all around the world and everybody else lives in like extreme poverty. Obviously, we don't <laughs> want that to happen. But <laughs> if you think <laughs> of like... It sounds this, like Black Mirror. Yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we'll probably have an episode like that soon. Um, but if you think of it like that, it's almost like the first crypto citadel because they're trying to build like a first, like this crypto
4: futuristic city.
0: So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Mm-hmm.
4: I wonder how the whole uh, exchange headquarters location deal will work out as um, exchanges become more decentralized. I wonder if that's even going to be an issue at all, or if governments will try to step in and still try to state claim and to decentralize. Look, like you have one computer here, so you have to comply with our regulations. Uh, I see how far it's... they stretch.
1: Binance plans to launch a DEX in the coming months, Mm -hmm. Uh, but also part of the Malta move is that they plan to start working on a way to be a framework for ICOs as well. And the Maltese government knows about that. The the prime minister tweeted, welcome to Malta, Binance. We aim to be the global trailblazers, there's a buzzword for you, in the regulation of blockchain based businesses. So they really Mm want to be... You know, this is their chance to put Malta on the map. No offense to any Maltese listeners. Uh, you know, but like, oh, where is Malta? <laughs> uh, it's it's in the Arctic Ocean, yeah. Yeah. north of north of uh, Scandinavia. The Arctic Ocean? No, it's in the Mediterranean. It's, yeah. <laughs> I was like what? <laughs> yeah. it's like I don't think so. We're all showing our ignorance. Um,
3: so, w- uh, explain to me the reasoning for Binance creating a decentralized exchange. Wouldn't that isn't that counterproductive to the life of their company?
4: Maybe. I mean, by decentralizing, I mean, let's be honest, the creators of Binance could then avoid sort of the regulatory risks that come with being centralized. Mm. Um, they've made their money. So decentralizing it after they've made money, I mean... And they could still take a fee. Yeah, they could Yeah, okay, they could still take a small so. a small fee. And yeah.
1: they might trade in, in BNB. Well,
4: the that's exchange. the goal.
0: Yeah. But it's gonna—it's basically to pump their token. I mean, I say I don't say that to discredit what they're doing. I think it's good
1: that right. they're moving to a DEX, but the whole blockchain that they're launching is going to operate with BNB. Mm. Of
0: course, mm-hmm. they might
1: still share liquidity like Bitfinex, plans to do with, with Ethfinex or mm-hmm. Ethfinex. Uh, they can share liquidity across between the centralized and decentralized exchanges. And you've always got your people, like your big financial types, that they're not going to be on a decentralized exchange, at least for this foreseeable future. They yeah. want custody. You know, they want someone to have custody of their assets, so they'll still be on the centralized. So... that's so funny, like,
0: paying someone to take away your freedom and add counterparty <laughs> risk to your trade. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. I know, like, their investment agreements require them to have custody, like, they can't hold the assets, but mm-hmm. it's just crazy to me that you would choose that option over something else. But I agree with you, Kyle. I think it is probably just them trying to dodge the regulatory ramifications of it. Like, even with them listing, what was the name, that recent ICO that got shut down? Centra? No. Yeah, I think it was Centra. Centratech. Right. Yeah, anyway, Binance had them listed. So, like, that's a good example where if it was decentralized, they could say, oh, we didn't list them a user, put, put that trading pair up. Like, it wasn't us. Right. But in this case, like, it's very obviously Binance that listed Centra.
1: Like, they yeah. still kept them listed, too, after, yeah. after the huge dump. So, we're going to see what happens. <laughs> well, it I mean, Maybe it's going to be like right. BitConnect. Yeah, exactly. I mean, BitConnect still trades today, I think, <laughs> for like a very low
0: price. But it amazes me that that stuff still lives after something like that comes out. People still trade it all the way down to not. I don't know if it's bots or what, but it's it's just interesting.
1: Well, yeah, that was recently there was a Zcoin. I thought this was hilarious. There was a Zcoin pump in the middle of the bear market we were still experiencing last week. Uh, it's because CoinMarketCap accidentally listed a Zcash uh, pair or exchange or something as Zcoin. Easy mistake, right? Oh, no. But the bots picked up on the sudden jump in, in the quote-unquote Zcoin price, pumped it, um, and then you know when when the people started realizing it happened, it dumped, and the bots then picked up on that as being like a, a chance to buy the dip. So yeah. There's this, <laughs> there this huge Z coin, like this chaos in Z coin because of this one mistake that Coin Market Cap made. That's wow. crazy. That shows you the power that
0: Coin Market Cap has. Like when they removed Korean. Uh, exchange prices from the average during the big bull run, and then re-added it for some pairs, but not for others. It's very weird. <laughs> like they can they can change that ranking if they want in a lot of different ways. Kind of interesting. So we tweeted out uh, to the community for questions. Did we get anything? Yeah. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. We just <laughs> so sent out the tweet. If you guys are listening to us, um, even if you don't see a tweet come out, tweet us a question at ICO Alert on Twitter uh, for our next roundtable. Um, Interesting news today, okay. <laughs> if anybody's <laughs> been following uh, the EOS price, it's it's gotten totally out of control. I don't know if it's because of the, the EOS stack airdrop that's coming up or if it's because Antpool, which is Jihan Wu and uh, Bitmain, um, which is basically one of their their giant mining pools, announced that they're going to run for an EOS block producer, which I don't know if it's really a good thing for the the long-term health of the network, but um, <laughs> yeah. because it's not proof of work, it, it they shouldn't have as much control or nearly as much control over EOS as they do over Bitcoin, but mm. it's interesting to see other big names in, in other crypto kind of coming to EOS now. I
3: thought this wasn't going to be an EOS.
0: <laughs> well, you know, we got a little lull there, no committee questions, <laughs> bring up EOS, Chill it a little bit.
3: Maybe it's just a Wazzy, maybe it's a woozy.
0: Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> maybe <laughs> this is a gall at his computer just pumping just it. Just pumping it? In? Yeah.
4: Will Gaul. <laughs> he really didn't get liquidated. He actually made a shit ton of money wow. and now is a... <laughs> I mean I kind of have a really like newbie question about EOS. So of course one of the one of the general criticisms of dele- I'm sorry, of proof of stake is that the more money you have the more you can control sort of how that blockchain sort of de- develops or is uh, verified. Right. Um, how does EOS protect itself cuz I know it uses delegated proof of stake but couldn't someone just name themselves as their own like delegate if you if have, have enough money to do so? The, so the the protection of VS is,
0: um, it's so hard to do that. Yeah, and okay. you would also have to have enough money to elect yourself as 15 out of 21 of the top. Out, out of 121 block breaches, the top 21 are producing all the blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd have to have enough money to control 15 out of 21 of those to make any real change in the network. Oh, okay. So you have to have that still super majority to do anything.
1: But it is. Go ahead. I mean, that's really common. I mean, mm-hmm. economic incentive and disincentive is what's this about, what this is about. If you have enough money, you could... Probably destroy any one of these networks or, or coins mm-hmm. uh, by just taking it over. Mm-hmm. It's just a phenomenal amount of money. Yeah, and then, and and then your tokens, if you succeeded, would be basically worthless afterwards.
0: S- yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, so, what's the financial incentive to destroy something? I mean, I guess if you're a government and you see it as like a huge threat,
1: it would make sense. I feel like I want to crash Bitcoin so that Bcash can, can win right. or something. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Ingest. Yes, <laughs> said in <and> jest.
3: <laughs> said in jest. Just drew two names out of a the hat
1: there of cryptos. Yeah, nothing. Uh, no opinions.
3: It did survive the the bear market though better than a lot of my bags. It probably did the oh, best out of all of my bags. Yeah, because E-O E-O?
0: no. no, no. EOS. No, I don't think Bcash <laughs> has never made it into. It was like consistently gaining to relative to Bitcoin and Ether, and I think is an, at an all time high relative to Ether today. Yeah, yeah when yeah. everything else was still going down, including Bitcoin and Ether, so. Yeah, so,
2: EOS is down 30% in the last 90 days, which is way better than the rest of the market. The top 20 was um, is down, you know, 50 to 75%. So, EOS is holding up well relative to the competition. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's an interesting point you bring up, Rob, with, the, with Jihan Wu, because as, as the EOS ecosystem evolves and becomes more mature, it's it's interesting to see if, that, if the this centralization of the mining or you know, block producing will you know, evolve the way Bitcoin did with the mm-hmm. centralization of mining. Um, so I think that's, a, that's a, something to keep your eye on moving forward is, is if the governance system actually works. Definitely.
0: Well, and that's, I think, going to be one of the biggest keys to the long-term success of it. Because if you have something that's just totally controlled and then the voters really don't have a say anymore, it's, it's, it's not going to matter but ideally through the governance system where the token holders are voting in the block producers and through arbitrage, where you can take somebody to court basically through a decentralized arbitrage process and punish them or remove them from block production spot if they're violating the EOS constitution, Mm -hmm. which is like in every transaction that you sign. Um, Hopefully those things will eliminate that from happening. So for example, one of the things in the EOS constitution or that's most likely gonna be in it is you can't pay people to vote for you. So in every other delegated proof of stake system like LISC and Rise and all these others, um, within those, generally, there are these block production cartels that all vote for themselves because they're all financially incentivized to vote for each other, keep each other locked in, and then pay the people that are voting for them. So they give the people voting for them a percent of the block award to incentivize them to vote for them, even though they may not be upgrading their infrastructure or expanding the network or doing anything to help the network long term. Yeah. So having that stuff in the Constitution, like you can't collude with other block producers, you can't pay for votes, should help get rid of some of that stuff from the get go but it'll be interesting to see how that whole process works
1: Mm -hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave ICO alert guys and become the first EOS private eye where I find out if people are doing that because otherwise I mean (laughs) people are gonna try to do it oh yeah you know they're gonna gonna try to do it under the table they're gonna try to do it with other currencies 100% one so of the things we're going to need investigators. And I think mm. you could probably make money doing that, because one of the things people are
0: proposing as like a block producer is you would put up a bounty. So like you could put up, hey, I'm, we're a block producer, we're putting up a 100,000 EOS bounty. If we're found in violation of the Constitution, this can be taken and used for, burned or used for something else or given to the guy who finds it. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, So you could actually be a private eye and catch Jihan Wu in some shady.
1: <laughs> get your 100,000 EOS. Have,
0: already have. Yeah, <laughs> just ahead of time. <laughs>
3: My first recollection of cryptocurrency was when I got invited to that Slack that that, that Slack that we're in. Oh yeah, and your picture it's is now low. dead. Yeah, yeah, that Slack's way dead, but the picture is just
0: Jihan, like the, the black <laughs> and white. So I always think about that when we talk about Jihan. Jihan but, season. That yeah, was back in the day. Season. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, it was fun. It definitely was Jihan season back then. Oh yeah, big time. That was last year at some point, I guess. Mm-hmm. That Slack has now died. It was a pretty quick death. What else has happened in the crypto world that you guys saw that caught your eye?
2: I think Joe had something, right? Uh, Yeah, so uh, actually the biggest gainer uh, in the top 50 is actually Ontology, which is sitting at uh, 21 in market cap right now. You mean seven day gain or what what, what timeline? Ontology's up 220% in the last uh, month. Wow. Um, So the biggest gainer, um, it was airdropped onto NEO I luckily got in at the right time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, what yeah, so, what does it do? What okay. so, does it do? So, Ontology is you know part of the broader theme of connecting you know the enterprise and the enter- enterprise like level companies to transitioning them to the blockchain. So it, it works in in tandem with Neo to facilitate enterprises to create permissioned and unpermissioned blockchains, and just essentially transition companies' databases to, to blockchain. So it's like a consulting company?
4: Yeah.
2: Um, it's actually owned by a company called OnChain. It's a, it's a Chinese project.
1: It'll be creating blockchains for enterprises, whether public or private, and linking them into the NEO ecosystem.
2: But why do uh, they need it?
1: it's through NEOX or, or some other you know, link.
0: What does the token do?
2: Is it ownership in that company? The token serves as a way to the what ontology is really going for is trust, identity, and data exchange, which works hand in hand with Neo's, uh, you know, like decentralized ecosystem, to, which is a public blockchain. So all the benefits that go along with a private blockchain, kind of like linking those two worlds together.
3: That's like Rob's go-to question. Like if anyone brings up any ICO <laughs> or coin. You know he's gonna ask you what is the project and expect you to completely utterly. Like a good to know, like if you're gonna show it's, it's something, true. you gotta know what it does.
0: It, yeah. Very true. Because there have been many that. times where I'm like, What does it do? And people are like, Well I don't know. Yeah. It's like, well then and why did you buy it? And that's I mean, a shame. I don't know. Because it had cool letters. (laughs) Because somebody on Twitter told me to buy it. it. No, I was going
4: to say, it's a shame. I mean, these are called utility tokens, so it's perfectly a valid question to ask. What is the utility of this thing? What makes it so valuable?
1: There's not only ontology, there's also ontology gas. So there's, there's something being planned here. Within the Neo ecosystem. And I personally don't, I know what on chain does, I know about partnerships, I know about ontology, but I personally don't know what the ontology token is for. I'm gonna have to find that out pronto. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't buy any. but <laughs> <laughs> What was that? Was it 100%
2: airdropped? It was 0.1 for every one Neo. I think it was 0.2, but yeah, just airdropped on the Neo. it was 0.1 for me. And it's, it's, uh, it's, in it's, it's indivisible, actually, like Neo. So you have to own uh, integers. Oh, Open interesting. 7. Why is that? Why
0: isn't NEO divisible? It's so Hmm. weird to me. Like, how can you not be divisible? I know that Ethereum (laughs) doesn't support decimal points either, and it's all implemented client-side. Like, so that's why you have point,
4: blah, 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 blah. They must have took the American Pledge of Allegiance before creating the token indivisible. (laughs) With liberty (laughs) and justice for all, yeah. That's probably (laughs) the
0: the opposite of NEO's model.
1: (laughs) The liberty and justice crowd split into Ethereum Classic and Ethereum. Right,
0: right, there you go. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's not a ton happening in crypto now. It's kind of crazy. I mean, it, this this happens with like bear markets versus bull markets where bull, there's all this stuff to talk about, all this news, all these partnership announcements where in bear markets, it's really like the best, I found it's the best opportunity to learn. So just like do research on the coins, like do research on ontology or the stuff that you're interested in because it's a good opportunity to kind of take a break from the like price hype other than EOS today, I guess, um, and like learn more about the tech and what makes projects special and stuff like that.
3: Yeah, I think today was the first day I uh, opened my portfolio, and, like, my, my block folio, in like really? three months.
0: <laughs> <There you laughs> yeah. go. I'm surprised. Yeah. I mean, I've been checking it a lot less just because it's like a distraction thing. It's like I usually check it once in the morning and once at night.
3: Well, it's just become so,
0: like, I don't know, negative.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, let, me, let me look at <laughs> how it, much money i <laughs>
1: <laughs> Like that's that's when not why I, I stopped looking. at that. uh, Okay, that's the reason I stopped looking. <laughs> oh, okay, and that's exactly when I start looking because uh, see, you okay. want to look for the huge dips and projects you think are going to come back. I guess
3: if you had look, if you had been looking for dips in February, those weren't dips. No, you those thought they like were. That. Dips. Yeah, yeah, you
2: thought they were dips. It's so interesting the buzz in the community when the mark when we're in a bull market. Everyone's talking. Everyone's checking their portfolio. Uh-huh. Everyone's trading. Yep. Moon over trading.
0: <laughs> Got that third it's monitor. So up. When <laughs> Lambo. <laughs> Yeah, everybody's so hyped and it can never end and then it ends, like yeah. it always does. I mean, this has happened so many times before in crypto, like, looking back. That's why it's the... I don't want to say, like, the dips don't bother me, but yeah. they have much less of an effect on me now than they did, like, three years ago. Absolutely. Where it's like, oh my God, is it dead? Is it actually, like, yeah. nobody supports this. Maybe it is dead. And now it's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I'll just do more research.
3: Yeah, I think outside of price, my, my favorite thing that I'm going to be looking for, like, in the next couple of, like, two, three months are a lot of these ICOs, some of which we've done promotion for, like way back in the day when we were pretty brand new. Uh, But even outside of what we've done promotion for, these ICOs are really coming to 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 age almost in a sense. Like it was so new, maybe three, four, five months ago, that none of these ICOs had to be like held accountable for anything. Mm -hmm. Because oh, you your ICO ended a month ago, Mm -hmm. but now as we get into this stage where hey, it's quarter two of twenty eighteen, like your roadmap says you're going to have the alpha out or you're going to have yeah. this like that's <laughs> no. going to start happening yeah that's and, a good point point. and i can't wait to see which projects flourish and which projects completely die because that's going to give the that's going to give like the pseudo roadmap going forward mm-hmm. for, for like investors and icos you know what i'm saying yeah that's so. a good
0: point q2 2018 seemed really far away last year yeah. You now it's here, and it's like, okay, where's your MVP? That's exactly. not gonna work, because it's built on a platform that can't support that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Guys, a roadmap says we're gonna own 10% of the global real estate market, by Q2, 2019. We need to get moving on that. We're, we've got two properties so far in Vietnam. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh God! It's interesting when we'll see, you know, maybe 70, 80, 90% of these ICOs actually fail. Uh, mm-hmm. later in 2018, so when that starts to happen, uh, we should see some sort of shakeup. I think, for the worse. I think we're going to see a real
0: uh, shakeup also in the, the HODL meme. Like, HODL will always be a thing, but I think there's going to be a real differentiation between, like, HODLing a bag that nobody's ever going to buy and HODLing something that's actually a good project. Mm-hmm. Like, HODL only works if you HODL something that's good mm-hmm. in the long term. But, like, there are a lot of shit coins that got pumped during the, the crazy bull market that I wouldn't be surprised if they ever reached that all-time high again. <laughs> uh, i still hodling <laughs> Ask Chiefs, holding those backs. <laughs> I'm still yeah, hodling exactly. Ask Chiefs. Oh god! <laughs> Just because it was up there once doesn't mean it's going to go back mm-hmm. if the project is trash and doesn't hit its roadmap goals.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and coming be, to grips with it.
2: Let's be honest, most ICOs don't. Uh, we see a lot of date changes uh, yeah, over yeah. here at ICO Alert, so... uh Companies pushing back their 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 ICO and pre ICO dates. I think this has that. to do
0: with market reasons, though. Like they, you don't want to come out with a, a an offering for tomatoes if everybody hates tomatoes all of a sudden. <laughs> then like the same with this. Like if we're in a bull market or in a bear market and nobody wants to buy, like sell their Bitcoin effectively for yeah. an ICO, then you're going to push it back. Yeah, I don't know mm-hmm. if we've talked about this because
3: again, I haven't been in this. It's great to be back, by the way. Yeah, welcome to, back. Yeah, <laughs> nice, nice. Um, but I don't know if you guys talked about this before. But something that's going to have an effect on those roadmaps are. Oh, when a lot of these companies that raised money in January, February have like half of the Ether yeah. that they thought they had. That's because they all kept it in Ether. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it might even be less. It might even be half. It might the- be 25%. Of- yeah. yeah, so instead of having 10 mil, they got five, and they thought they were, they, they budgeted for that, That's which crazy. is retarded, but...
0: I mean, that shows you why you have to diversify as like a business mm-hmm. out of crypto in some regard. Like if that money is what's going to keep you alive, basically, during... Yeah a bear market like it's easy when ether goes from 800 to a thousand in a week to be like let's keep it all in ether yeah. but then when it goes to 300 it's like
1: oh maybe we should have kept half in fiat or something else bitcoin that's yeah that's one of the reasons i'm a little bit more lenient than i think a lot of people are on dev teams missing their roadmap a little bit you know, i mean i'm not talking about a project that continually misses and promises and repromises but first off you know there's the unsettled the unsettled market and the uncertainty around that but then secondly a lot of these teams are well at least a few of these teams are trying to do things no one's really done before and it's really hard to I mean think here at ICO or think of the times where we've set a you know a goal and then there's been a lot more involved in it than we thought yeah that's bad you know we've had to knock it back and it hasn't been because we've just been sitting down you know on the is this, is this a non explicit podcast? <laughs> <laughs> you can say whatever you want. Okay. It's not because we've just been sitting on our asses out there, you know, playing chess or ping pong or whatever, but oh my God, Super Smash. <laughs> oh my God. That's, I think you're going to say something much more. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's because, you know, there, there are unforeseen challenges. And so, I mean, as long as it doesn't keep happening, one yeah, missed deadline isn't really, yeah. you know, a shutdown. Yeah.
0: It's a good point. You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Joe's point to see like what percent of these things actually fail. Like, if it'll be similar to the startup failure rate we talked about, I think, last time or the time before, it's like 90 95 percent, or if it'll even be higher than that. Could be lower too, but
4: yeah, I'll be interested to see the risk appetite that investors will have moving forward for ICOs that don't have an MVP at the very least. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, because you know, obviously, if you're investing in something that Um, is that doesn't have a product developed yet that's the definition of speculative you're you know you're hoping that (laughs) they finish their project and that utility token that you're buying will eventually have some utility in that product that Mm -hmm. hasn't been developed yet so we'll see how the like I said the risk appetite changes over time
0: yeah that's a good point so there's something new happening now. Uh, you guys have probably seen the Facebook Cambridge Analytica scandal. Kyle has an interesting point about Steemit and DTube and some of these other decentralized alternatives.
4: Yeah. So um, Steemit has over a million users right now. Um, a million? Yeah. Yeah. They added 120,000 just last month.
0: That's crazy.
4: Right. So yeah, um, these content creators are starting to prefer these uh, decentralized social networking platforms. Um you know they want to get a bigger slice of the pie and uh, another reason they cite is that they hope that their data will actually be more private on those uh, social media platforms mm. decentralized ones well it's it, kind of weird but <laughs> it's interesting you bring that up though cuz the i
0: forget which senator it was um Maybe it was Ron Wyden from Oregon. It was, anyway, one of the senators in the briefing that Mark Zuckerberg did yesterday, if anybody watched it, he he was like, So you say that we own our data, right? And Mark's like, Oh, yeah, you own your data. He's like, Well, then why am I not making any money from it? You mm-hmm. guys are the only ones making money from it. So I think it's also that. Like, if you publish on it and you get to the top, to, to the front page, you can make a bunch of money mm-hmm. versus on Reddit or Facebook, you're not gonna make anything.
4: Yeah. And um, for anyone who's listening and doesn't know how Steemit works, um, users can vote up. A post that you've created, um, and you're, you're compensated for every like or every upvote that you get. It's very simple. Yeah. Uh, it's not just some arbitrary like number like Facebook is.
1: But you also know. for those running the Steemit, um, or, or who don't know how Steemit works, Steemit doesn't solve your privacy concerns necessarily with Facebook, because everything's pretty much public. Right. You just take right. the blockchain, dump all the data from all the users, mm-hmm. and you know theoretically anybody could go try to sell that data, I guess, right? I mean, mm-hmm. maybe it's not... Is there a legal reason they couldn't? But it doesn't matter. It's it's all public anyway. Why would anyone buy it? Mm -hmm. You know, so we still haven't seen And it's all anonymized through,
0: like, usernames
1: anyway. I guess, but it's convention to post an introduce-yourself post that that introduces your name and links to your social accounts and everything as your first post so that the community trusts you. Hmm. But we're still waiting on a solution that... Can really be like a Facebook replacement, where right. you can share with circles that you define of friends or family or whatever, and expect that data to remain there and not go off to some research firm to help,
4: you know, influence whatever. That's a good point.
1: I mean, there really isn't an alternative. That was what another
0: senator said about alternatives. Karl mentioned that today.
4: Uh, yeah, that he asked uh, Zuckerberg what his direct competitors were. Yeah, and she didn't have the clearest answer. Huh.
0: How do, you, how do you think Tom, Tom MySpace is, is.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Tom is like, thank God MySpace didn't take off. <laughs>
0: that would have been me. <laughs> Squirming. Yeah. He's happy with the money he made, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I wonder what he is up to. What's MySpace Tom up to? These days? MySpace Tom, I can look it up. Take a look at that. Yeah. Uh, to your point, Peter, though, I think, I don't mean to like bring us back to EOS, but Dan, <laughs> when he's working on like... Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> when he's working on dApps outside of... Because after June, Dan Larimer, the guy behind EOS, is going to stop working on the core code and let the... like 50 plus dev team keep doing that and he's going to work on daps published by block one Um, but they said that they're working on some social media whether it'll be a vc funded one that they're actually working on or if they're working on it themselves is unclear Um, but they're working on some kind of
1: decentralized like steam 2.0 is what they're calling it so i think the landscape is riper than ever to you know get people coming off facebook of course the kids like the 20s and unders they're not even on Facebook. They're on yeah. Instagram, which is owned by Facebook. Um, so that might be a bigger challenge. But And I think, WhatsApp, which is also owned by Facebook. Right. And Snapchat, which is not yet. Yeah. Um, but I think the landscape is ripe for people to move from Facebook off to another platform if it's done correctly. Yeah. yeah.
0: Which is crazy because I didn't think... I mean, it's not that I never thought this day would come, but it seemed like that would not happen for a very long time. Like two months ago, if you had said, hey... You know, there's going to be this mass exodus where people are actually considering deleting their Facebooks and not using it, and going like, I would be like, oh, that's impossible. Like, <laughs> people are way too entrenched. But now it's they were a good just point. looking
3: for a reason, though. Like to be honest, you think so? people were just waiting. Like you could tell, like of our generation, people got are we're pretty much like under the the surface, we're like kind of fed up with Facebook. Like it's pretty much for it's 40 for you know. Yeah, it's for complaining. It's for the older generation has kind of picked it up a little bit. Um, so I think people were ready to to move on from Facebook. They just needed something.
1: Yeah. I mean I'm, I'm still I know you guys have talked about deleting Facebook before. I still keep it because I don't even, I don't even really post to it, but because there's people out there who if they knew if they want to get in touch with me that's the only reason they'll look, look for me on Facebook, exactly. you know, and they I guess they could try to find my LinkedIn or something. I feel like if you really want to get in touch with me, you can figure it out. Right. You know, I mean? you know, that's a good yeah. point. I've deleted my Facebook now. <laughs> <laughs> or wait, excuse me.
0: Deactivated. Yeah, you can't delete it. I've tried. You cannot actually delete it. You can't delete it? No. Another post came out about, I mean, it's obvious you can't delete it when you go to click delete and you go through it. And then you log in accidentally 18 months later with your autofill data. And you're like, oh, everything's still here. It's not deleted. But somebody posted a screenshot of like one of the databases. I don't know if it's legit or not, but it was like an item gets marked as deleted in their database but is not
1: actually deleted it's just marked as like the user deleted this well, there's two quick points on that first of all zuckerberg was caught or you know whoever manages his messages was caught deleting messages unsending messages which i mean it's fine that's not a crime but you can't do that as a facebook user <laughs> you can never unsend messages so uh-huh. facebook says they're going to implement that But they've got bigger problems because GDPR, the new EU privacy regulations, are rolling out. They have a a clause in there called right to delete, which is commonly known as right to be forgotten, Mm -hmm. right? Where you need, as a private citizen, you have the right to ask anybody out there, and maybe not any government, but any corporation or any entity to delete all the data related to you. What happens if they don't? If, they, if Facebook well, problems, says, no, we can't problems it. Problems in the European Union. No, we can't delete it? Yeah. Like, imagine
0: if this is on a blockchain and it really can't be yeah. deleted.
1: That's yeah, if right it's on a blockchain. Work. Well, that's, that is an issue. The blockchains are going to have to cope with this. European Union privacy law requires the right to be deleted, the right to be forgotten, and blockchain products that don't somehow implement that, you know, maybe there's... Maybe, maybe all the content can be encrypted and they somehow delete the encryption key or something. Mm-hmm. You know, they just make it irrevocably obfuscated. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that would be fine, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a legal professional advising on privacy law. That's interesting. But there needs, there's going to need to be a solution unless the laws change that is compliant or blockchain products in the EU will be illegal be illegal. Well, it's it, illegal it, to, uh, as it rolls out, I mean, knives are it's illegal, illegal not to UK comply. Now, so like
0: <laughs> everything's just going to be illegal. But, what
1: I mean is that it, non-compliance with those privacy laws will be illegal. Oh, I see. But nobody will really be held liable because it's a decentralized system. Well, unless it's run by companies and foundations, then, the, then it might be. You right. know? Or maybe That's they come after block producers or something.
4: Yeah. Yeah. People have to know who you are if you have the right to be forgotten. So, if blockchain is done correctly and everything's encrypted, if, if your name cannot be seen and whatever transactions are recorded in a blockchain, then it, I don't think it would be a problem. Again, like you, I'm not a lawyer, but um, it just wouldn't make sense if you if you if no one ever knew who you were in the first place, then what's the right to be forgotten?
1: Yeah, but one of the criteria we have for judging ICOs, uh, an objective criteria a lot of people have, I would say, is that there's a public team that you can mm-hmm. find information about them. Right. They could go after the team, you know, their mm-hmm. legal bodies could go after the team. You know, you're saying that anonymous teams are good, and I, I kind of like that, but they're not really doable if you're looking to launch an ICO, for example. I mean, they right. could go after the team, but, like, the team can't do anything to stop it. The team can stop operations you know yeah but i mean in with
0: a truly decentralized system like the team has no real control over any of it like they could stop their core development but somebody else could pick up development like the the people in the community contributing to github could continue the development like i just think it's going to be interesting to see regulation in general clash with blockchains and decentralization like what the sec is going to send a cease and desist to some decentralized exchange that has no owner that nobody really like knows who set it up and launch it the first time and they're not going to be able to do delist a quote unquote security because there's nobody who can actually do it.
1: This is interesting to me you because I mean? typically the blockchain movement is very pro-privacy. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're kind of arguing kind of arguing against privacy to a degree. Or rather you're arguing against a specific privacy regulation.
0: Right, but not in the context of privacy, more in the context of immutability. Like right. That you okay. can't delete that I from understand. the blockchain because it's on a blockchain. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's fine if it's still, I still think it should be private, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not advocating that people shouldn't have privacy or shouldn't, right?
4: I've been wanting to ask you you guys this for a while. So, um, U.S. government, among others, are trying to sort of target cryptocurrencies when they're obviously trying to regulate the cryptocurrency industry. They just target those coins, those tokens, etc. So, what do you guys think instead about a government registry where public addresses are always tied to your name? No. You don't like that? No. I, don't I think like that's any... a good middle ground. But why, why does the government need to know where I have my digital assets? So it's not so much like where you have your digital assets. It's, you know, there's anti-money laundering things that have to sort of occur. So, you know, if you're laundering money, you send money to Q. Q sends it to Joe. Joe sends it back to you. It's layering. Um, right now, there's no way to really uh, track money laundering, for example, uh, with public addresses, because there's no name tied to them. You could send 10 Bitcoin to 10 different wallet addresses that you own. Yeah. You would never be caught. Um, so instead, if all those addresses were in a government registry tied to you. But why would I want the government to know where all my money is at?
0: would For the <laughs> <life>? <laughs> Good, Rob. No, no yeah, Sacrificing <laughs> <exactly laughs> my
4: privacy and freedom <laughs> I've, I've always, I've just been wanting to ask people that, it's sort of like a, a middle ground. So you get to keep all these different utility tokens, all these different cryptocurrencies that are coming out, but you have to sacrifice a little bit of your privacy. That's by not even tying a little bit, that's
0: complete privacy if you tie your name to your address. So, so, and how, do you in, so how do you enforce a, a localized regulation on a global system?
1: Well, some systems don't so even work with that. There are some, there are a number of currencies, I mean, I hold some of them. Where your public address just isn't known or changes with every transaction. You know, and that that would
4: I keep I keep thinking of like recent talks that Kevin O'Leary gives. He he makes fun of the cryptocurrency cryptocurrency enthusiasts a little bit by saying you know a bunch of um, anarchists. An, yeah anarchists and things like that. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think of some middle grounds. Yeah. Like he keeps trying to say we have to work with the government instead of being anarchists. I so think there are, with are the going middle to be ground people, be. people that work with the
0: government, but there are going to be people that are still like fuck that. The whole purpose of this <laughs> is to disintermediate the government in some mm-hmm. way. So if a, uh, let's say an employer gets paid
3: by their company, let's say 10 years down the road in cryptocurrency mm-hmm. and that deposit, that direct deposit goes into their wallet and then they send that transaction to some, to wherever. Can't their company track that? Yes. So isn't that going to be, isn't that like a real time use case of what cryptocurrency is going to be? Well, it depends on the
1: currency. Some currencies,
0: they can't track that. They wouldn't be able to track the, the address not unlike Monero or something I guess, yeah. Right, or a number of others. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man, if you send on any, like,
1: if you send on, like, Bitcoin, Ethereum, EOS, any of these, yeah, I mean, yeah. you'll be able to see that movement. Well, Bitcoin does have Bitcoin improvement proposals that involve privacy. Really? And mm. that option may be implemented. I mean, given Bitcoin Core's track record, it'll probably be five years. Yeah, I feel like a, that BIP has been around for, like, years. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> just never been implemented.
1: But, you know, so was the Segwit one. It was around forever before it finally got pushed through. That's a good point. That's a a good question, Kyle. I like that. That's a
3: real big uh,
0: question. I don't know what a middle ground would be. I I just don't think that anybody would follow that. Like, that's my point about all these decentralized entities. Like, in the past, people would follow it because they had, A, control over a platform and could implement that change that they're being forced to follow. But, B, Mm. they were being personally targeted and were incentivized then to follow the regulation. But in a lot of these, like, when you have a decentralized exchange that's truly decentralized, there's nobody to for the SEC to go to and say, "Hey, you can't trade this asset. You can't do this." Like, hmm. and furthermore, nobody, even if they got to somebody who maybe launched the website in the first place, they don't have control to delist that asset. Like a lot of this. That's why I think they have the potential to just become irrelevant if, as people just say, "No, we're not going to follow that," mm-hmm. which is kind of
4: it's absolutely anarchist. Yeah. It's,
0: <laughs> it's like fucking anarchist. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I'm
4: sorry. he didn't say the government will have to be replaced, yeah. uh, but. Yeah, it's very tough.
0: And you still got to play by Big Brother's rules while Big Brother exists. So it's like I'm not advocating anybody
1: break any laws. One of the problems you're going to run into that, I think, with that is that if you keep creating these systems that can't be regulated or can't be, you know, no one abides by the government regulation, the government, there are steps that the government can take to try to shut this thing down if they really want it to, like no money going to exchanges, businesses are not allowed to accept crypto, you know, things like that. Um, and those would be crushing. So I think it's it's kind of to our advantage to to seek a kind of middle ground, at least that satisfies both parties.
4: Well, we already rolled out names tied to public addresses. But I guess to an ex- <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know. I think <laughs> I, I guess to an extent, like it makes sense to come to some kind of middle ground. But also, I don't think like nobody's ever going to agree. You're not going to get a mass of people to agree
1: to something like that. You just need 15 mm-hmm. out of 21.
0: Block producers. Block producers. But if (laughs) if 20 out of 21 are not based in the US and don't have to comply with US law, they're going to say no. Hmm. And the one in the US can just reject the, the, not reject, but pass along the transactions that would. Legally incriminate them to somebody else. So does,
1: does it look like 20 out of the 21 are going to not be based in the US? There are already 21 different countries that
0: have block producer requirements. Like if I was voting today, I would vote for one in each country, ideally. Hmm. But it's something where, like, let's say the US did come out with regulation like that, very quickly all the voters could say, oh, vote out all the USBPs, we're going to vote for other people. Right. It's huh. so like it has the potential. That's why you have the 121 total with the 101 as
1: reserves. Right. The Dalmatians.
4: Yeah. Yeah, the
1: hundred and
4: one dimensions. So, Joe, I generally take it you would not give up your name with your public address either.
2: No, I wouldn't like that. And my gut <laughs> <All> feeling, <around. laughs> my gut feeling on data privacy is that, the, I mean, the, the solution that makes sense is somewhere in the middle. But I just don't see where that what that looks like. So it's either it's like a light switch. It's either completely give up your identity, um, which I believe is the way EOS uh, envisions the future, or go something completely dark and private. Um, so I think we'll see two different solutions come about in the, ne- in the next couple of years, um, one being completely private and one being um, having your ID attached to everything.
0: I agree with that. I think that's probably what we'll see is like a, a total split, like there will be people who just operate completely on like Monero and other privacy chains and like a version of EOS that, or like a an interoperable chain of EOS that has ZK-SNARKs implemented, mm-hmm. but then the rest of the chain is public to your identity. For like arbitration reasons.
3: Have you guys <laughs> tried to use the fa- the Facebook setting where they tells you like how they uh, oh how they ads you? For you?
0: Uh-huh. you
3: haven't tried that? Uh-huh. It's sadly even, wrong about me. If you go to <laughs> settings, you go to ads. This is for the people that are following along. If You go to settings
0: on your Facebook profile. Let me log into my old Facebook.
3: Yeah, you go to ads in the left corner, and then you go to your information and click your categories. So I'll I'll give you a snippet of mine. Mine says my birthday's in May. I'm away from my family, <laughs> <laughs> Art, <What? laughs> and arts, entertainment, sports and media, business, finance, I use a mobile device, uh, use a mobile device four to six months, I don't know what that means, I'm away from my hometown, US politics, it says I'm conservative, personal care and home services, education libraries, I access Facebook with an iPhone X, and I Facebook access with a Mac.
4: How does it make you feel? This is creepy. Oh, no, it's
3: it's <laughs> creepy as shit. Man. I'm trying to get it's in. Creepy as hell. Oh, there's more. Oh, I'm in. Frequent traveler. Multi, multi oh, multicultural affinity. I'm African American. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, so I'm gonna uh, settings ads. Then what do I click on?
1: Uh, you're gonna go to your information, your categories. Yep.
4: These your interests, fun, your
1: information. I've got oh, clo- <laughs> I've got okay. birthday in June. Close friends of men with a birthday in zero to seven days. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. So right. guys d- like male birthday. This isn't advertising. It doesn't have a lot of info on you because you don't use it.
0: <laughs> yeah, birthday in July. Technology early adopters. Facebook.
1: Frequent traveler uses Wi-Fi often. <laughs> uses Wi Fi <laughs> often. <laughs> Commuter. Wow. wow. Console See? gamer. Damn. Facebook page admin for multiple pages. It says that I have a liberal political affiliation. That's not true. <laughs> I, I am a, frequently a friend of U.S. soccer fans. Wow. See, this
3: is a. That's. It that's
1: makes. So you, it gives
3: you a little bit of a weird feeling. Like, the more information that they. Like, I feel like Rob's didn't have a lot of info because he doesn't use it. I've been on it in like two and a half years. Yeah. But, like, mine, when it says, like, I'm away from my family, like. That's, that's kind of spooky. It, it's very spooky, definitely. So.
4: <sighs> yeah. Just I, imagine. Uh, I was just gonna say I don't I don't care that they I, I honestly don't care that they have this data about me, but it just it's so fundamentally like annoying, yeah. I guess, if they're selling this data to whomever and I don't get any slice of it. Yeah. yeah that's just
0: That's what that senator was pissed about. He was like, yeah. you make forty billion dollars a year off of our data, we don't get anything. <sighs> we do ads. I mean you get the platform. <laughs> Well, Senator, Senator use we the run black ads. Senator, that was so funny. <laughs> that was the best meme that came out of the whole thing. How do you offer a free version? He was like, Senator, we run ads. And the look on the senator's face was like, oh. I like smiled and was like, oh, very nice. Like, nice job. You got me. singer." <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. Clearly <laughs> has not used it before.
3: So I found Tom. Tom from MySpace. Yeah, Tom from MySpace. He's on Twitter at MySpaceTom. Uh, His first tweet is, real question, why are taxi drivers consistently angry and Uber drivers chill? (laughs) (laughs) I want to say it's, and I just want to throw that question out there because I think it's a funny question, but it's probably because if you get a
0: three-star rating... As an Uber driver, you no longer have work. Yeah, 100%. Uh, (laughs) There was a tweet that I retweeted the other day that was like, here's how the Uber rating system works, and it was like, five stars, a ride happened. One to four stars, like, potentially jeopardizing the livelihood of a random (laughs) unit. It's so true. Like, if you give somebody one star, which I've done because they did something crazy, like driving on the wrong side of the road or, like do some crazy shit that, like, (laughs) did not, like, should not have happened. Then you give them one star, like, they probably got fired because there's so many people that drive for Uber. Yeah. But...
1: I think you get if you're under 4.5 or something, you start to get... They just cut you out. You get a warning. You you maybe get it at a certain time, but I I don't know. But it's really... It is really strict.
0: Let's be real, though. All the Uber drivers are going to get laid off when they're self-driving... Car program gets to a certain point and it's just going to be all autonomous.
3: Dude, self driving cars took a hit, man. With it, with the stuff that's happened with te- with uh, Tesla.
0: I still see the Argo ones driving around here though. Yeah, with Tesla.
3: Yeah, with their with their automated cars. What happened with that? Dude, they like three people in three separate instances like died.
0: It seems like an automated car an attack on Tesla. No, no, no. Like
3: one of them was a pedestrian. Okay. The second one, which we don't, I don't know the details. And then the other one was. The other two were actual like in-car injuries that led to death. Still, way safer. Yeah. Uh, then I think I think if we all switch over to automated cars, obviously I think we we're in agreement that it would be safer. Yeah, but, I agree with that. But it, I'm just saying they took a hit uh, for, with public opinion. For well, sure. With
1: like the Uber thing, yeah, people are just looking yeah. for excuses to to fear. The new thing yeah that's true one of my favorite stories about this tech adoption thing is the elevator operators i don't know if you're familiar but you know those movies where there's elevator operators mm. oh wow. it took a whole lot of work people didn't feel safe riding in elevators without an operator really and it took an elevator operator strike in i think it was new york city where like the elevator operators went on strike and people realized wait a minute don't need those guys, <laughs> you know, like wow. they got used to riding in the automated elevators. Oh, um, That's a great analogy, yeah. And they didn't want to oper- op- operatorless elevator cars, where something people just were have. scared of. Wow,
3: huh.
1: it'll be kind of the same thing. Okay. I mean, it's like when
0: you're on a flight, and like 99% of the flight, other than takeoff and landing, is totally autopilot. Obviously, it's a little bit different because you have a huge margin of error when you're in the sky with no other planes around you versus a car on a street. But, right. like it can, you can move to the right a thousand feet and not hit anything. But a lot of our life is already on autopilot. Like a lot of you go to a lot of airports. I realized that the I think it was even Pittsburgh Airport. Like the little shuttle that you get in to take you to the terminals after security is just automated. Like nobody's driving that. Just mm-hmm. a bunch of cars. Yeah. Like it just goes back and forth all day.
4: So a lot of our life is already automated vehicles that we don't even kind of realize. Mm-hmm. Those trains being automated is like, is precisely why I'm so afraid of getting like my legs stuck in the door as it closes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to end up in like a final destination movie. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> my legs going to uh, disappear. And then the, the yeah. ceiling's going to collapse. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's all over.
3: So, so one interesting thing, just going back to, to crypto that oh, yeah. that's happened and it's, it's directly affected our business is uh, we use MailChimp.
1: Mm, and oh, Mailchimp
3: yeah. uh, recently came out and said they're not going to allow cryptocurrency uh, marketing on their platform. So, just wanted to get your opinion on that. But uh, that that seems to be a trend that a lot of social media and then a lot of uh, you know platforms are doing.
0: I think the reason Mailchimp is doing it specifically is because the. Mailchimp will kick you off their platform if you get like a high bounce rate or a high spam report rate or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think there were probably a lot of ICOs advertising like on their own, like to their own mm-hmm. list, that got a very high bounce rate and a very high spam report rate. But because of that, Mailchimp needs to maintain their overall deliverability percentage. Gotcha. Because if they have a if half of their customers are sending out shit emails that are always bouncing, that's going to jeopardize the other half of their customers that are sending out good emails. That's mm-hmm. why like our account has a a score based on where we fall. We fall on like the very very good side. So it sucks that we're getting lumped into that mm. crypto crowd, but hmm. have we, we but that's probably them? why they're doing it. No, I guess we we probably could try. Yeah,
1: that. I mean, I, yeah, I'll tweet them and stuff. At least. See if we can <laughs> get an example yeah. <laughs> hey, I mean, Milchim, sense. What's up?
0: If you look <laughs> at our score on our What's up? What's up, what's up, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you look you it like that. <laughs> we'll send him a parody video of that. <laughs>
2: Please, we like love. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a doorman monkey, like space. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mailchimp face. <base. laughs> On a serious note, it is interesting that businesses are are weighing the pros and cons of the potential new business opportunities that crypto, like crypto opportunities, provide with with Mailchimp and all these growing crypto companies. But there's the, in Mailchimp's case, they're seeing that you know, the risks outweigh the potential benefits and the potential new business. So it's interesting that, you know, all these platforms are coming out and banning crypto.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with the extreme volume of like bad players in that certain space. Like with Facebook and Google banning ICO ads, I think it was because they had a lot of them that were scams advertising. So they were like, what's the easiest way to deal with these 90% scams? We'll just ban them all and the 10% goes along with them.
4: Yeah. Isn't this a shame? Because there are some ICOs with some fantastic ideas that are now getting punished because there's. I'm not saying there's a ton of bad actors, but there's enough where it, it right. just affects everyone else.
1: And hopefully, this is a temporary measure by at least some of these companies. Whether sure it is. whether because the company is kind of beyond the decline you know, in the future, or because they'll, you know, that once some regulation is in, they'll reconsider. I mean I think it'll be like if you look at Korea for
0: example where they didn't know how to deal with ICOs and crypto so they just banned it all to like stop it mm-hmm. and then they they basically came back out later and said okay here's the like rules you have to play but I think it'll be the same with Facebook and Google hmm. so we'll see what happens God
3: there. bless that Korea fud man <laughs>
0: <laughs> would've won that bet <laughs> still would've been above $10 today. <laughs> I'd today. still be losing it oh goodness Seven fifty-seven. nice as we speak.
3: Oh, uh, so you're the one tracking me yet, so you are who you hate.
0: I am who I hate.
4: I get a stomach ulcer with every EMS price update you give me. Because really? Because I've just been tortured all day. have just been waiting to buy. Yeah. It'll dip, it'll crack. A little bit. A little
1: bit. We just came out of like... <laughs> A, A month long buy opportunity. <laughs>
4: I know, yeah, that's so true. <laughs> it's just weird though, like today for some reason I just woke up with this need to <laughs> buy it today. i yeah, you know, conscious else everybody else did the same thing. I guess. Thing. Yeah. So
0: it hit you and you were like, I gotta buy. And everybody else did, and then we're on this run.
1: And that's it, man. You're not in the mind control Slack channel. You don't know about the, the update we pushed today. Yeah,
4: no.
1: <laughs> Those are my favorite people. Bitcoin at 16K. They're like, damn it, I wish I would have bought it
3: at 8. And then it goes to 6.
0: And they're no, like, I'm, I'm not a buying a it. Shit's dead. Yeah, it's, uh,
1: Here's your opportunity. Yeah, here it is. I was oh. listening to a really popular podcaster. I won't name who he is. Uh, we might have met. Oh, and, no. uh, <laughs> he, was, he was promoting dollar cost averaging throughout the entire bull market, which makes sense makes you know, so. to me. Huh? It's not me. I thought you were talking about me. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. I'm like not, not really. No, he's not, not, not associated with not no. <laughs> not, not ICOs and <laughs> not associated with ICO at all. Okay. Right, so he was promoting dollar cost averaging through 10K, 11K, 12K, 13K, 14K. You know, and now it's at 6K. He's like, well, I'm kind of reevaluating the market. Now's not really a time to dollar cost average. I'm thinking, what? That's the whole point of dollar <laughs> cost averaging. Now is a much, yeah, exactly. But if you're going to take it, you know, not very literally, now is the perfect time to dollar cost average compared to like 18K. Uh, I don't know. With,
2: with dollar yeah, cost average, you're spo- and when the price tanks, you're supposed to buy more and when the price is steadily going up, you buy less. <laughs> right? didn't, so basically that's, the guy didn't follow his plan for
0: dollar cost
1: averaging. Right, and but it really surprised point. me
0: because he's all about plan. <laughs> that's a good note about like any, but like a lot of people will like buy into a coin and then say, all right, I'm going to sell at this point and I'm going to like buy more at this point and then that happens and they don't follow it mm-hmm. like you have to just follow what you said this is not investment advice it's my personal philosophy but you have to follow what you said so if you said oh I'm going to sell EOS at $50 you have to sell that chunk at $50 you can't oh no now I'm not going to because I think it's going to go to 70 because then you're just riding on your emotions the entire time mm-hmm. versus like setting a plane ahead of time and saying this is what I'm going to do and then actually sticking to it
2: investing is, is psychological and it's a perfect segue into like behavioral finance and the way the way people think, and they they don't always act rational when it comes to money. So, it's <laughs> true.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: It's very true. I think it's probably a good place to stop, unless anybody else has anything
0: to contribute for this week. I know this week was kind of light. There's not a lot happening uh, in the crypto space, which is why we took that week off for the roundtable. Um, we'll be back next week if there's enough news, but if not, um, catch us the week after that.
1: Yeah, let's do it. All right, later, guys. You guys.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I sincerely appreciate it. If you'd like to request someone to be on the podcast in the future, tweet us at ICOAlert and let us know. Most of our guests are requests from listeners just like you, so we review every single recommendation that comes through in our Twitter feed. Uh, we'll look at everything. So if there's a lesser-known project that you think we should cover, you know, let us know. Maybe we'll have them on the podcast. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and be the first to hear our new episodes. And also, don't forget to check out ICOalert.com to see the only comprehensive list of active and upcoming ICOs. I'm your host, Robert Finch, and I'll be back next week with a brand new episode.